0: The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word. Soapy dollar.
1: That would be me. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks, for The Bible Live broadcast. What a wonderful time of the year this is as we turn our eyes toward the supreme being, the creator of the universe, most of us, in fact, have far too small an understanding of who God is. God has come near to us so that we can speak to him and know with confidence, because of his word, that he hears us, he attends to us, that he cares about us. But so often I reduce him in my mind, and I'm sure we all do, Sometimes today in this era of the computer, you can see these beautiful sights of the stars and the creation, and we know that God is awesome. Just think of the being who spoke into existence this amazing universe, the power and the intelligence and to think that he stepped into time and space. Remember, we were created in his image. He limited himself to come into our life experience. What a wonderful time to contemplate that. Well, we're going to continue through the Gospel of Matthew in our narrative reading tonight, starting at chapter 16. But just before we go there, let's go to a Psalm of David rejoicing in God's care on the Bible life. Psalm 144. Bless the Lord who is my rock. He gives me strength for war and skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my deliverer. He stands before me as a shield, and I take refuge in him. He subdues the nations under me. O Lord, what are mortals that you should notice us? Mere humans that you should care for us. For we are like a breath of air. Our days are like a passing shadow. Bend down the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Release your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Release your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten-stringed harp. For you grant victory to kings. You are the one who rescued your servant David. Save me from the fatal sword. Rescue me from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars, carved to beautify a palace. May our farms be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no breached walls, no forced exile, no cries of distress in our squares. Yes, happy are those who have it like this. Happy indeed are those whose God is the Lord. End of reading, Psalm 144. This is my daily
0: bread. Is my daily Your very words
1: spoken to me. you're listening to the Bible live with Sophie Dollar I hope, I hope and pray that represents I your you. response to the Lord as well. And desperate for you, Lord. Remember what the Lord promises. They will find him who seek him with all their heart. That comes out in our reading in the Gospel of Matthew quite often. In our last reading, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price. He sold everything he owned to go and buy that pearl that he found. He is worth all that we have, all that we are. Anything you would hold on to is something that would rob you of the greater joy, the greater delight of knowing God. What a lesson for all of us. Turn loose more and more. Turn loose of ourselves and our lives and give ourselves gladly, unashamedly, and unreservedly to Him this season, especially as we see the greatness and the goodness and the love of our God. We're going to pick up now tonight at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew traces his genealogy back through King David and back to Abraham because his gospel is written to the people of Israel. He is trying to demonstrate to them that Jesus is, in fact, the long-awaited promised Messiah, that he fulfills all of the prophecies, over 300 prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures about this one who would come. Not just general, broad prophecies that anybody could fit either. Many of them are very specific that narrow down significantly who could be the Messiah. His gender, we know early on that he's going to be a male. That's half of the world's population right there. The town that he would be born in. Many of the events of his life and his lifestyle. Much of that is predicted. Now more and more we're going to see these things become clearer as he moves toward the end of his life and ministry. Jesus began his ministry quite early, somewhere around 29 or 30 years of age. He has about three to three and a half years, and then he will be delivered up to be crucified by the Romans. Tonight in our reading, he will continue his mission of showing love to people and healing, but he will begin now to confront the Jewish leaders. He will begin to be more outward about his own claims to be the Messiah, and he will give his disciples the first prediction that he is going to go to Jerusalem and be killed so he begins now to prepare his disciples for that appointment with his own fate as the Messiah because of the scriptures he knows what is coming before him the miraculous signs the confrontation with the authorities on the bible life Matthew 16:1 through 19:15 Matthew 16 1 One day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus' claims by asking Him to show them a miraculous sign from heaven. He replied, You know the saying, Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You are good at reading the weather signs in the sky, but you can't read the obvious signs of the times. Only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any food. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They decided he was saying this because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you worried about having no food? Won't you ever understand? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves, and the baskets of food that were left over? Don't you remember the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves, with baskets of food left over? How could you even think I was talking about food? So again I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast or bread, but about the false teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "'Who do people say that the Son of Man is?' "'Well,' they replied, "'Some say John the Baptist. "'Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets.' "'Then he asked them, "'Who do you say I am?' "'Simon Peter answered, "'You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God.' "'Jesus replied, "'You are blessed, Simon, son of John.' because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven, and whatever you open on earth will be opened in heaven. Then he sternly warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that he had to go to Jerusalem. And he told them what would happen to him there. He would suffer at the hands of the leaders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, and he would be raised on the third day. But Peter took him aside and corrected him. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, and not from God's. Then Jesus said to the disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition. Shoulder your cross and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? For I, the Son of Man, will come in the glory of my Father with his angels, and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see me, the Son of Man, coming in my kingdom.
0: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Matthew 17 Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter blurted out, Lord, this is wonderful! If you want me to, I'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he said it, a bright cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. Listen to him! The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw only Jesus with them. As they descended the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until I, the Son of Man, have been raised from the dead. His disciples asked, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to set everything in order, but I tell you he has already come, but he wasn't recognized and he was badly mistreated, and soon the Son of Man will also suffer at their hands. Then the disciples realized he had been speaking of John the Baptist. When they arrived at the foot of the mountain, a huge crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, You stubborn, faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You didn't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I assure you, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. One day, after they had returned to Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He will be killed. But three days later, he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples' hearts were filled with grief. On their arrival in Capernaum, the tax collectors for the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Of course he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house to talk to Jesus about it. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the foreigners they have conquered? They tax the foreigners, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a coin. Take the coin and pay the tax for both of us.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Matthew 18, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Which of us is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a small child over to him, and put the child among them. Then he said, I assure you, unless you turn from your sins and become as little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who trust in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around the neck. How terrible it will be for anyone who causes others to sin. Temptation to do wrong is inevitable. But how terrible it will be for the person who does the tempting. So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to enter heaven crippled or lame than to be thrown into the unquenchable fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to enter heaven half blind than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Beware that you don't despise a single one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a shepherd has one hundred sheep, and one wanders away and is lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others and go into the hills to search for the lost one? And if he finds it, he will surely rejoice over it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If the church decides you are right, but the other person won't accept it, Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven, and whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, "Oh, sir, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him what had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, "'You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you?' Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. You're listening to the Bible
0: live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Matthew 19 After Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went southward to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. Vast crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. Then why did Moses say a man could merely write an official letter of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, a man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, Then it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made that way by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone who can accept this statement. Some children were brought to Jesus, so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples told them not to bother him. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he put his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. End of reading, Matthew 16, 1 through 19:15. My Jesus,
0: my Savior, oh, there is none like you. This is the Bible live.
1: Thou shalt not go away. Now, in this reading tonight, the a number of dynamics going on here. We see some of the public teachings of Jesus. We see Jesus beginning to confront the religious leaders in a more direct way. Jesus begins to warn his disciples that he is going to be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. They sometimes seem to get it, and then they turn right around, just like Peter tonight. Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say Elijah, Jeremiah, different ones he mentions. Then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And he says, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. An astounding, amazing statement. Peter got it. But then turning right around six verses later, Jesus turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. So although there was some understanding that he was the Messiah, still they had this mindset that the Messiah was going to be this great conquering general that was going to take over the government and deliver Israel from Roman bondage and carry Israel to the height of its political and international power again, like David or Solomon. They may have recognized him to be the Messiah. They misunderstood the role of the Messiah. They did not understand that he was to go and be killed. And Peter subjects to that idea and says, oh, that can never be. This will never happen to you. And there's where Jesus admonishes and corrects Peter and talks about the fact that if you want to follow him, you must be willing to take up your cross. They understood that crucifixion was all too common in those times, and it meant death. The commitment that he requires of us is our death. We give all that we are, and he gives us all that he is. When you understand it that way, it's really unbelievable that we would hold back. There are a number of things that touched me as I listened. The leader's demanding a sign. The word demand struck me there. You must give us a sign. God had already revealed himself clearly, and he had already revealed who the Messiah was. If they would just take the time to read the scriptures and see it was clear that Jesus was the Messiah. And in fact, he had already done many signs in our times as well. There's so much arrogance and so much stiff-necked pride. Oh, I'll never believe in God until Jesus stands right here in front of me. It's a very interesting thing about that. There are people that have dreams or they have visions and God does something special in their lives, but there's still another way to interpret it. They might say, I just had a bad pizza that night and I had this nightmare about Jesus. There is no absolute knowledge. I've had people say, well, if God will appear right here in front of me, then I'll believe. Well, you may not. There were people that Jesus appeared before and they didn't believe and you may not as well. If you have problems in the Christian faith, in all likelihood, the problem is your will, not your intellect. Some people do have intellectual questions, but if their heart is right and they're open to the truth, their question can be answered. The evidence for who Jesus is and what he accomplished on our behalf to all who have embraced Jesus seems overwhelming. The designer and creator of this world stepped into time and space and left his fingerprints all over history to show us that he not only exists, but that he has indeed done a work of redemption on our behalf revealed to us in the person of Jesus, his son. The evidence is strong, is powerful, but some would still say no. Remember, God is calling people to a love relationship. God desires people who want him. And if you desire God tonight, God has opened the path to himself for you through his son, Jesus. All you need to do is receive that relationship by faith in his son. But if you don't want God, you're not interested at all. It doesn't matter how many people rise from the dead and appear to you, you would not believe. The problem is not your mind, it's your will. There is so much in each and every one of these passages that could be talked about and meditated upon. And I hope that you'll ponder that passage that stuck in your mind, whether it's the Mount of Transfiguration. Just days before, Jesus had promised that some of the disciples would not... ...die before they would see the Son of Man transcendent in His glory. And six days later, He takes them and they see Him transfigured, standing with Elijah and Moses, the great prophet, the great lawgiver. Here we are at a season of the year where we celebrate the coming of Messiah. You have seen His life and heard His teaching. Would you not commit your heart and life to Him? Bow your knee before Him and receive by faith His grace and love.
0: The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live. P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.